Hey everybody, I'm Sasha Feiler. I'm Stephen Cohen. And this is Shut Up, I Love It, a podcast where we invite our guests on to defend an aspect of the culture that people don't know about or don't care for. Joining us today, he is a cinematographer and director. Sasha, what are his many credits? His many credits include Superstore on NBC, Avengers 2, Age of Ultron, Life After Beth, Much Ado About Nothing, Paper Heart, Garfunkel and Oats. I cannot say that. Garfunkel and... <laughs> Garfunkel and Oats. <laughs> Another period. Con Man, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh my and God, the many... list goes on. It goes on. It's like spills it's over into <clears throat> other forms of uh, art and self-expression. You only yeah. said 5% of the list of my credits. Right, so we can't read them all. Yeah. We can't read them all because that'll be the whole episode. And that's not what we're here to talk about. We're not here to talk about J. Hunter's Hello. biography. What are we here to talk about, Jay? We are here to talk about Ween. Oh boy. Which I believe is the probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, uh, bands, rock and roll bands of all time. And um, I've held that theory and thought for. I don't know, close to like 35 years or so. So since the age of four? Since I was five years old. <laughs> four years old. Okay, let's say, let's say 25 years. So I've been saying this for 25 years. I have turned on countless people to the band, people who thought it was garbage, who had preconceived notions, people who had no idea about the band ever. I've been like a prophet for Ween, spreading the great word, like a missionary of sorts, like a Mormon missionary. But my mission is Ween and my God is Bugnish. I, my brother-in-law, I was texting with him and I told him that we were recording an episode about Ween. He knows a lot about music. Ween is not one of his... Um, Things that he's very familiar with. Oh. Mm -hmm. But he said their fans call them Boognish, and I don't know why. Can you tell me? Well, why don't I start off with the inception of Ween? Um, <laughs> way back. Because Boognish starts at the beginning, at the year zero. Basically, Ween, who I've got up on the screen here, on the left is uh, Gene Ween, whose name is actually Aaron Freeman. And on the right is Dean Ween, whose name is Mickey Melchiondo. And if you see this picture on the screen here, this is a, a photo of them when they're probably about like 13 or 14 years old, when Boognish, the concept of Boognish or the revelation of Boognish was first made. Basically, these two guys grew up in a city in Pennsylvania, in New Hope, Pennsylvania, kind of a small, medium-sized town. And they were in high school together. Dean, uh, I'll just I'll refer to them with their monikers, which is Dean and Gene, but their real names are Aaron and Mickey. But uh, just to avoid confusion, I'll just go with Dean and Gene for now. So Dean on the right was kind of a jock, kind of like a baseball, football guy. And he looks, for the listeners, handsome. I would say. Yeah. They're both handsome young children. So mm, I I don't know about the fellow on the left. <laughs> I, I mean, I would say, I think that that's accurate. Like people would describe Dean as the more attractive one, but I don't think either of them are particularly attractive. I have to um, say black but, and white uh, photos make everybody look hotter. Mm, so yeah, let's just yeah. go with that. And, and also they're 13 years old. So we all know how let's, hot 13 year old Let's not forget that they're 13. And so let's talk about how hot they actually are. <laughs> 13 year old boys. But, but so these two guys, Dean and Gene, they were in a 
typing class. I don't know if you guys had typing class when you were kids, basically teaching you, you know, how to put your fingers on the typewriter, or the keyboard. and Definitely how to, how not. have not had that class. Really? You didn't have that? We had that when I was growing up. I had a class where we did that. I never took a typing class, but we did do like a program called Type to Learn. It mm-hmm. was a thing that they were trying to teach us. Yeah, yeah. The, well, how to stick? use the home row. I went to a proper school where they taught us typing, just like Dean and Gene. <laughs> I'm and, sorry. And uh, <laughs> was my school not proper? Uh, well, I mean, you it's know. It's going to be the most sub- cocky podcast It's subjective. Yeah, I'm a little cocky of a person, a little arrogant, if you haven't already <laughs> noticed. And this is one of my favorite subjects. I mean, I would say I'm an expert on three or four subjects, and Ween is Let's one just of bring them. them up. Why not? Quickly, without tangents. Don't go in depth. Just tell us what yeah, these subjects are. What else am I an expert Math, at? Math. Okay, well. English. No, ween. No. Certainly Ween and all things Ween. Filmmaking, I would say I'm an expert on that. Filmmaking and photography. I would hope so. I, I would, As the credits just proved. I, 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 I would say I'm also an expert on the occult and black magic. Okay. And, um, and like Sasha said, we're not going to go into detail on any of those nope. other no, ones. No, 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 no. We're just going to throw Only it out there. Ween. These are all individual <laughs> episodes that we could go into later. But uh, yeah, so I'm an expert on the occult and black magic in general and, and all things paranormal. And then I'm also an expert on a uh, more blasé subject, which would be the Grateful Dead, because my I grew up with the Grateful Dead. My parents used to work for the band. And so I'm, I've got that beaten into my head and I know a lot about that those subjects so the, unfortunately thing. by extension I know too much about it as well because spoiler alert I am Jay's significant other yes oh yes or as we call it SO yeah sorry ladies <laughs> I'm taken uh, now one of the things that my brother-in-law told me is that one of the members of Ween is in a Grateful Dead cover band really let me find the text would that be? I, oh, I mean, maybe it would be Dave Drywitz, who's the bass player. While Jay is thinking about things and Stephen is looking up a text message from his brother-in-law, I'm just going to say that both Freeman and uh, Melchiondo. Melchiondo. These are their real names. Yeah, have stated several times that one of the band's biggest influences was Prince. And I want to bring it up yeah. because this band is known for their eclectic, Ween is known for their eclectic style. Yet they mention Prince as their main influence. But so, I And I definitely, should we talk a little bit about like the research that we did yeah well can i pause you for a second <laughs> because be a we, we went on a bit of a tangent and <laughs> I just, the original Jay, i don't know if we're gonna have time to do their full biography the, that's gonna be the whole episode i just want to tell you about the inception because the, the original question was what is boognish so i don't want the True. audience to be like what the fuck they never solved this boognish my brother-in-law is on the edge of his seat so what boognish is so dean and gene were in a typing class right let's mm. let's go back in time back to typing <laughs> they're in a typing class in new hope pennsylvania they're 13 years old they don't like each other gene's more of like a gener is more of a music guy and kind of like a stoner hippie type of kid and Diener is more of a more of a jock right but they're sitting next they get placed next to each other in typing class and they develop this bond because they start talking about music in particular Prince and Parliament Funkadelic and uh, various punk rock groups and classic rock and and they, they started dialogue these two guys who were kind of opposites and didn't think that they would get along and didn't like each other on first look they realized like, wow, we're actually kind of soulmates. Like we love the same thing. We have this common bond of music. Flash forward to, you know, years later when they're playing music together professionally, they look back at this moment in this typing class as being the inception of Ween. And so what they did was they created a mythological story, which may be true or may not, in which they were in this typing class and then suddenly, out of nowhere, the wall starts shaking and rumbling and the wall splits in half and bursts and there's drywall shooting everywhere. And out of the smoke and light emerges Bugnish, who is their god. It's their sort of Jesus figure. And Bugnish is basically this weird 
gritting teeth, uh, smiley face with big spiky hair. Oh, so Bugnish is the character that is their logo. Yeah, okay. and uh, Bugnish is referred to throughout their songs, throughout their catalog. You know, it's everywhere. Bugnish is all. And so they use this character, this kind of like silly kind of kid story about Bugnish as the inception of their mythology. I see. Uh, so their bassist is in my brother-in-law's favorite Grateful Dead cover band. Dave, Not just any. Dave Drywitz, right? All right. I don't know. Is that their bassist? Yes. There you go. Well, I mean, it's one of their bassists, but their most current bassists okay. for the last like 15 years. Mm-hmm. So now, even though Diener and Giener both stated their influences of the Beatles, Parmelee Funkadelic, the Butthole Service, Pink Floyd, the Dead Kennedys, Laurie Anderson, the Allman Brothers Band, it goes on. They never... Jay's giving Sasha a wrap it up. <laughs> they never themselves admitted that they are similar or influenced by Frank Zappa. All right, yeah. Though, so this was mm-hmm. something that I, you know, I don't know a lot about music. Neither do I. There we never a, pretend well, to I know. Well, I do, so ask me. There was a time in my life where I listened to some Frank Zappa, and that was immediately what I thought of when I started listening mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. And I, I admire agree. Frank Zappa a lot. and uh, mm-hmm. Frank Zappa is a, a musical genius, and I, I agree there's always been Zappa in Ween. To pay him his regular fee, he would drop all the rest of his pressing affairs and devote his attention to me. But I said, Look Now who you? I think the reason that they state in public that they're not really influenced by Zappa is because Zappa's more influenced by jazz and it's more about uh, musical virtuosity and Ween is more about pop music it's more about sort of soulful uh, music and not about like crazy guitar noodling well, and, and or you know, just in, in terms of content ap- mm-hmm. apparently they say that they're not fans because Zappa's take on different genres of music seems too sarcastic or insincere yeah no, no, I, 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 I read the same agree. thing but I gotta say when I was listening to this music that's kind of how I felt about I what they were doing. Agree. That there were mo- right. moments of the, So I listened to... Sasha asked Jay to give me an idea of what to listen to, just like a few albums. And instead, Jay emailed me a uh, biography of the entire band. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, all of their discography. information. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jay broke them down into three eras. And I tried to listen to an album from... And I succeeded to listen to an album from Impressive. each era. And I started with their first album, oh. God, Ween, Satan. That's what, God, God Ween, Ween Satan. Satan, The Oneness. And especially in that one, which of the ones I listened to is like the kind of most... Raw? Well, definitely raw, but also like transgressive. Then you won't see me. I got a twin combo. It takes me where I want to go. I get what you're saying, which is that the early inception of the band, you have to think about the fact that they're 17, 18 years old. Mm. They're these two kids that are just kind of grow from lower middle class environments. And they're really into punk rock and they're really into laughing. I think that that's why they get compared to Zappa the most, not because of traversing various genres, which Zappa does, but Zappa always feels like he's playing Zappa's music and maybe he throws in a little reggae thing or something, but like he's always doing the Zappa style. Whereas Ween is more interested in capturing certain genres of music and 
perfecting them or making a tribute to them. Now, I think that the more direct comparison to Zappa is because Zappa is full of humor. Like, like you listen to a Zappa song, it's all, it's all jokes. It's all silliness. It's almost like going to a circus or something. It's just wild and crazy mm. and silly. And Ween as good as they are as musicians, they're equally as good as humorists. And so every single thing that they do is injected with this sort of like crazy, wacky humor. And I think that that like on the surface turns people off because when they'll do a genre, like they'll try and do a Prince song, they'll do it in this sort of like silly manner and the lyrics are ridiculous and they're literally are laughing when, when they're doing the song. So it makes it feel insincere. But I don't think as opposed to Zappa, I feel like Zappa is insincere when he's kind of covering a different genre style, but Ween is completely sincere, but they, they are fueled by humor and they're fueled by sort of this like idea of just giving the middle finger to the world and to chaos and to all the bad stuff that comes at them. Well, I'm not like a big music person, but I am a comedy person and I think that there's a, maybe a difference between Zappa and Ween is that Zappa maybe is a little meta about it. Like, he's meta about the comedy sort of that he makes. Like, like we're all aware that he's making fun of these things, right? And they're, like, trying... We uh, guys are trying to embody whatever the characters that mm -hmm. they are often performing as. Like, so, yeah. like, they take over a genre, then they try to really become those people that might mm. be performing in that genre, and then it just sounds like characters even cartoon characters sometimes, but they're really putting full-on commitment into that. Does yeah, that make sense? I, I, I completely agree. And I think that there's this, there's sincerity and there's pretension. And I think I love so many different kinds of music and genres. And I, I, I love things from classical music to hardcore punk rock to, you know, everything in between. And my one criticism of music in general is that the musicians themselves tend to be extremely pretentious. I mean, if you ever hear an interview with a musician, you, like no matter how brilliant they are, half the time you want to strangle them because you're like, who the <laughs> fuck do you think you are? It, and you're it, saying Dean and Gene aren't like that. I think that, that they approach the genres and the music that they're making with complete sincerity, but with a rejection of pretension. And so that's where the humor comes from is, is like they know how silly it is. It's like we're just playing music. We're just strumming chords and we're laying down beats and we're having fun while we're doing it. And having fun is probably the most critical element of Ween. And the thing that always gets people when I go on a quest to kind of turn someone on to Ween is I try and bring them to a Ween concert. Because mm. when you see them live, in the same breath, I also hate it when people say, oh, you got to see them live to really know what's going on. But The Grateful Dead and with Ween, you really do need to see them live because their albums are sort of sh snapshots of history. They're rough around the edges. A lot of these songs are unlistenable. Like in God, Ween, <laughs> Satan, The Oneness, I'm sure you're listening to you're like, how the fuck are people listening to this and like relaxing or like, or enjoying this. But when you see them live and you see them take these weird compositions that on album are unlistenable, even to me as a crazy Ween fan. But then when you see them transposed to the live environment, when they've been reorchestrated and reworked, suddenly everything is elevated. And when you see them live, when you see them play live, there's this sense of they're having so much fun. You know, like I've gone to see Radiohead before and they're an amazing band, one of the greatest ever, right? And I know that they are having fun deep down, but they don't look like they're having fun. That's very true. But when you see Ween on stage, they're smiling the biggest grins 
the entire show and they've played these songs thousands of times for mm. the last 30 years of their life and all they're doing is just loving every second of it and so this like sense of fun is where the humor comes from and I have to make that parallel again with comedy and improv like Zappa is sort of like Jason Madzuka's kind of you know performer he's my favorite improviser but like he always distances himself from the subject that he is mm -hmm. um, embodying he's always like a level above that so like he's almost like better than what he's playing and yeah. so but then there would be some improvisers i don't know betsy sedaro may maybe a bunch of other improvisers that i can think of that are sort of like living to be those people without mm -hmm. judgment and I think there's like certain enjoyment in both styles, but I can Absolutely. see. Yeah. I love Zappa almost as much as I love Ween. But I think what you're getting at is that not that Matsukas has a contempt for the audience, but he kind of does. And when you see Frank Zappa play, you see old clips of him play, a lot of times he has just blatant contempt for the audience. Like, you guys are fucking idiots. You don't know how much of a genius I am. Hmm. And you don't get that from Ween. But when you see Ween play, they're so happy and there's just this feeling of love exuding even when they're playing these sort of like kind of rough around the edges or aggressive sort of like childish like machismo songs where they're saying like you fucked up you bitch you know like they might be talking about these like chauvinist things but again they're accessing a snapshot of when they were young boys and, and the humor and sort of like silliness they felt that when they were boys but they're never mad at the audience they're always in love with the audience and in love with the music that as a person doing. who has been to oh gosh four or five well, so can we, can, concerts so let's take a step back and establish our personal context for this so yeah. so sasha what is your history with Ween my history prior to this recording? ties in deeply with the history of my relationship with Jay Hunter for the past 11, going on 11 years. Oh, God, it's been that long, <laughs> huh? So how soon into the relationship did Jay start pushing Ween on you? Probably within the first year, because we lived apart because he was in L.A. and I was still in New York. And then we would meet a lot of times in Colorado for like a Telluride festival or mm. anything else when we used to do romantic things together. Back in the day, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now, now you just live in the cage in the basement. And, yeah. It's a nice basement, though. <laughs> it is yeah, a nice. Yeah, yeah. They have microphones here. But um, <laughs> no, I mean, we would like meet somewhere for a festival or some other event or just to hang out. And he would like play that music. And I mean, it takes a long time for me to get used to a band. Mm. Because I'm not like a music person. It really it strikes me as like a lightning. And we never strike me as like lightning like there were songs that i really enjoyed they're more serious and romantic songs like so far away but it's easy to see or something like mm -hmm. in the white pepper so far away but it's so easy to see when i'm away i want to put my arms So there's just some songs that I was like, oh, it's so cool and romantic. Like, I like when they're melodic. But when they're not melodic, then it's like there are exceptions to the rule. Like, Buckingham yeah. Green, like, so this is definitely not the type of song that I would enjoy, but I do like it. A child without an eye. Made a mother cry. Why ask why? She kept a child clean. It's like very pick and choose songs that I like of Ween. And then I've seen them four times, like in, you know, the aforementioned relationship with Jay Hunter. I've seen them at least four, maybe five times. 
The times I was on ecstasy, they were really great. Mm-hmm. The times I were not on ecstasy, they were good. Hey. But I also don't love live music. Kill me now. Me listening to music in my car, driving, that's like the best experience for I'm me. the same way. When I go to a concert, I spend a lot of time kind of looking at my watch and thinking like, how many more songs do you think they're going to play? Yeah. So there's songs mm-hmm. that I really enjoy, like Mollusk, the album, I think it's really good. But then there's songs that just make me giggle, like all the, you know, Mexican food ones. Pollo asada. Pollo asada ones. Let me start off with a basket of chips. I then move on to the pollo asada taco. I would like two polo asada tacos with one beef chimichanga. They definitely make I'm wearing me... a shirt right now that is a pollo asada That's true. Shirt. I should have just read the <laughs> shirt. So there's definitely food songs, and those make me laugh. But again, I would listen it in the secondhand way, you know? Mm. What about you, Steven? I had never listened to Ween before this. I think for years I've been conflating Ween and Wilco in my mind. I assume not, not Weezer because normally people think when you say Ween they think you're talking about Weezer. Mm-hmm. No, because I knew I you know I was Weezer. familiar with Weezer, but I just assumed this was gonna be kind of like standard alternative mm-hmm. indie rock, and so when I put on God Ween Satan, I was shocked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was not at all what I was expecting. Uh, <laughs> Like in a good way. I was I was glad that I was not going to listen to alt country albums. <laughs> yeah, I mean like masturbatory, like insincere alt country garbage. Yeah, they're, they're fine. Wilco is fine. Weezer is fine. I mean they're overrated bands. But let me take a step back and take you through a journey. Not too long of a journey, what, what, I would say. Yeah, yeah. More you, you, you like, just start waving. Not like the Fellowship of the Ring. Just maybe start, something more like a trip around the block. Uh, Sasha, when when I've gone too far, you can start flailing your arms. But when air I like flail my arms already. that I've been doing, it takes you a very long time to wrap it up. Because like, I because I ignore because there's important things I'm about to say. So so I, I so like yeah, I'm, you can wail your arms, but he's gonna ignore you. Yeah, yeah no, it's like the light at a comedy show. Like they put the light on, and you're like, I got two minutes now. So okay, like, let's so, make this so, like a the so, the flailing of the arms is like a. A 30 second warning. Okay, so just so you know a little bit of my history, I found Ween when I was in eighth grade, right? Like, I don't even know if I was a pubescent boy. Nobody wants to know how pubescent you were. Let's go into it. (laughs) Let's we have, I just want to say, we have a couple guests in the room recording. This is our first live podcast. One of them has been on his phone the entire time, and only when the word pubescent came up did he that's perk what, up. Oh, that, that's what Scott likes. All right. My well, only hope well, is that he's been reading yeah, about yeah, yeah, Ween. Yeah. All right, so in eighth grade, one of my best friends, this guy Andy Hartwig, who's no longer with us, is a tragic story unto itself, but he was a bass player, and... I was at the time into, you know, my parents flooded me with the Grateful Dead thing my whole life. I was rebelling against that and I was getting into like heavy metal and Metallica and Slayer and all these dark sort of like the opposite of the Grateful Dead is, is what I was into at this very moment. Did in time. they care? They didn't care. They, they, my, my parents are great. And, and that's the reason why... I have why to imagine any parent who loves the Grateful Dead would probably encourage such a thing. They yeah, were, they, they were like, they, sure, they're, you're listening my, to music, my, good. My parents are the best, yeah. My dad took me to my first concert that wasn't a Grateful Dead concert, which is Guns N' Roses and uh, Skid Row, and took me to Ozzy Osbourne and Metallica. I mean, they were very... Shout out to Roger. He's a great dude. Yeah, Roger. Oh, yeah, Roger Hunter. I thought you meant Roger and Metallica. I'm like, There's no one in Metallica named Roger, but my dad's name is Roger. He's a great man. And Shout out I, to Rogers everywhere. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. Good job, great Rogers. Name. Out there. Great name. Solid name. Good name. And, and, the uh, sound but, is really nice. But so that was the sort of mind frame I was in was that I loved like heavy metal, dark music. I loved like the scary, 
you know, album covers with pentagrams and evil shit going on because it was more of a shock value thing to me at the time. My best friend or one of my good friends, Andy Hartwig, he was a musician. We were in eighth grade. He comes up to me. I remember the exact moment we were in the locker room in our gym class and he came up to me and he's like, he had an album. I think it was Pure Guava, the Ween's third album, which had just come out. And he was like an early adopter of like zines. He was always into punk rock. He was into like, you know, the Dead Milkman and Circle Jerks and Butthole Surfers and all these sort of like very fringe punk rock groups that are thought of as seminal groups at this point. But back then they were like barely known. And he was a very funny guy. He was like crazy and hysterical, just like I was, like all the boys were when the, at that age. And he's like, you, you got to listen to this shit. It's crazy. There's a song called Hey Fat Boy Asshole. is like yell hey fat boy asshole come here i'm gonna kill you and so like as little kids we were just like this is crazy and we'd listen to it and i was immediately attracted to the humor of it and so that was my first introduction to the band another friend paul siebels and i who are also friends with andy we got really into ween and we explored the catalog which up to this point was just three albums it was god ween satan the oneness the pod and pure guava and are these in your email are these the albums that you put that you early-ish. called the early era. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the early era. The uh-huh. fr- I believe they have nine-ish albums, if you know, give or take a few. There's like the early, mid, and late era. This was also at the time. Uh, do you are you familiar with Beavis and Butthead? Sure. Right. So Beavis and Butthead was just airing for the first time at this particular moment when I was in eighth grade. On Beavis and Butthead, they would watch music videos and make fun of them, Mm. right? Like that was a part of the show. And so one of the music videos they did was for Push the Little Daisies, which is a song off of Pure Guava. And it's probably my least favorite Ween song ever. But there was this sort of connection of like, oh my God, like this weird band that Andy introduced me to that's like just exists in like the fringe of culture and in these weird like black and white newspapers that Andy was picking up at the music store suddenly he's on MTV and these like Beavis and Butthead guys are making fun of it. So I think that's what kind of clicked with me and made me more interested and engaged with the band. And I got really into it. And then I saw them a couple times when I was probably 13 or 14 years old, illegally at a couple 21 over shows in Chicago. I got in somehow and I fell in love with them. It's all that pubescent uh, hair on your face. Yeah, no, no, I, I mean, you like, were exuding th- pubescent energy. This is back in the day when, like, they didn't really give a shit at some of these rock clubs because they're playing tiny places. And, mm. like, and so I saw them a couple times. It sort of seared this, like, image and this these memories in my head. And I abandoned them for years and sort of went in a different direction. I thought of it as a joke. It was like, oh, this is just this silly novelty act. And then in college, I was reminded of them. And I thought, like, oh, I should check that out again. I really enjoyed that when I was a kid. And by that point, they had released a few more albums. And that's when I really deeply fell in love with the Mm. band. Okay. Now, at the risk of of not talking again the rest of the podcast, I'm going to ask you another question. Uh, And it is, do you think Ween is a band that people don't like or a band that people don't know about? What do you think the general perception of, you know, the millions of people, the billions of people on this planet what do and you outside think? of this planet, mm-hmm. the beings uh, abroad. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think they think of Ween? 
I think most people don't even know who Ween is. They think mm. it's Weezer. And it, 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 literally, I mean, oh, like, Wilco? I, yeah. it happens to me on a daily basis. They'll say it'll come up and they'll be like, oh, yeah, Rivers Cuomo band. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, so they either don't know what it is, which is fine with me because people can remain in ignorance their entire life. I don't care. Um, or they don't understand the arrogance band. is the theme of this podcast. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Like, I will only stand by and die by things that I truly believe in and I truly believe in ween. And so it's going to sound arrogant. It's going to sound intense because I feel very strongly about this. Yeah. That's what we want. This isn't some, some fucking bullshit movie that someone watched, like, like on a date, <laughs> you know, this is some like every, oh, every I, past uh, guest on this podcast <laughs> is on notice. This is, I'm not saying anything about your podcast. I'm just saying like, like a lot of times people will be like, Oh, I love that movie. Cause I was, I, it was a Christmas and my family and we were all together. Like this is a real deep, this is something I've been uh, th- th- that's made made me who I am, and that I've had a deep relationship my entire life. So this is why this will be the I best. I don't think episode I have anything like that that I'm that passionate about, including Jay. Mine. Was- yeah, that I'm good. <laughs> like I, I, I'm not insulted by that because I have a deep, deep connection and relationship with this band. But to answer your question, most people don't know who Ween is. Mm. Most people who do know what Ween is don't understand it because they haven't been exposed to the right things and or they have not seen them live, okay. which, which I, you know, I don't fault them for it. It's hard to see them live, especially these days. And then there's people who straight out hate them and will never like them. And that's a very small percentage of people. I have turned on people that went to Juilliard for, or, uh, not Juilliard. Be, 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 I've be. met dozens of people who went I to Juilliard, went to... and now they all love Ween. No, no, no. I, 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 what, weird, I meant, what I meant to say, what I meant to say was Berkeley College of Music. P- people who have studied music at the highest levels. I've always played music my entire life. I know a lot of professional musicians who are serious musicians. I've That's taken like such a weird non-name drop. I know a lot of serious musicians. I do. Well, well, no one else knows who these people are, but there's a lot of serious, skilled, virtuosic musicians yo, yo, that are out Ma. there that nobody knows about. Marco Beltrami? I have turned people on who have been adamantly opposed to Ween. They are, were opposed to Ween. Are, Moby? Hated Ween, are at the hmm. top of their field. And I have taken years to shape them, to mold them, to show them what the glorious message of Ween is. This is where this and podcast turns they, into knowledge of cults they have, <laughs> and yes, controlling yes. people. Well, that's, you know, that's the other thing I'm an expert on is cults. Um, all right. So why do you think these people disliked Ween before you got your claws into them? You know, what, what do you I, think turned them off? Why is Ween so off-putting outside of the live venue i think it's because their studio recordings to an outsider can sound harsh can sound chaotic they can sound lo-fi lo-fi at Mm. times yes and it can sound like demented psychotic carnival music at times and if i hadn't heard them my whole life i might not like them right off the bat as well the reason i told you the story about how i came into communion with ween is that i don't know if i like them authentically when I was a kid, when I was in eighth grade, I think I liked it because it was a novelty thing. It was like, oh, it's so silly. They're saying they're saying bad words and they're like, they're just these wild rebels. And then it took like an incubation period of several years. And then when I was in college to sort of revisit them and realize, holy shit, these guys are musical geniuses. Their lyrics are brilliant. Compositionally, their musicianship is is top notch. And when you take a song that might sound bizarre and like a nightmare, you know, uh, very grating and they make weird sounds, they distort their vocals. Once I had heard those compositions transposed into the live arena, I realized like, oh, even those songs of Ween that I hate, 
that I can't listen to. When I hear what they're doing with those compositions now, I'm in love with it. Hmm. And so then when I come back to the original like God Ween Satan album, I can listen to it and appreciate it on a different level. I feel like that's <clears> how <throat> music works for me in general, unfortunately. Like that's how bad I am at music. That it almost like ninety percent of the time it takes me to spend some time around a song to then be like, okay, now I understand how I can appreciate it. Like, I don't sure. have an immediate connection 90% of the time with a song in general. I'm mostly the same way. You know, I essentially can make myself like something just yeah. by listening to it enough. I'm not really a discerning music listener in that way, you know? Like, just it's just about repetition for me to really kind of start liking something. I think what also helps with Ween is that since every song they do is a different genre, like, mm -hmm. literally, they played every genre from, like, show tune to steely dan song to reggae songs to, to a mexican song, ballad to, yeah yeah to, to, to a traditional acoustic mexican ballad when you're perusing through their catalog you might come across a song like oh god i, I can't fucking stand that song it just makes me nervous and i'd, I'd shut it off <laughs> you know the next song is completely different so you can sort of comb through it and be like i like this i like this i like this I hate all the other stuff. And then when you kind of come back and, and re-experience, you can be like, well, actually, that one song that was sounded awful last year, I'm kind of digging now because I appreciate the melody and the harmonization and overall the weird, like, fart sounds and dogs barking and fucking, like, you know, rocks grating against chalkboard sounds. Like, I can sense a deeper text. Like, like, like when you watch a great movie, when you watch a Blade Runner, or when you watch, like, a Coen Brothers a movie. A great movie, which is not on the same level as loving a band. Let's just make that yeah. very clear. Yeah. Appreciating a movie, not the same as loving weed. But yet we're still going to use that <laughs> metaphor to connect with people for well, some reason. No, I mean, are you being sarcastic? Like, <laughs> I, I, just, yes. Yeah, yeah. To me, it's the same thing. But what I'm comparing it to is that, like, like you can watch a Coen Brothers movie. Like, mm -hmm. let's say Big Lebowski, right? The first time I saw Big Lebowski, I was, like, 20 years old or 19 in college. And I hated it. I watched it. I'm like, I'm like, I love the Coen brothers and I fucking hate this movie. Like, this is such a piece of shit. And then I've watched it probably 50 times since then and loved it even more. Jay tends to exaggerate things. So, okay. I watched it 40 times. Yeah. You can divide everything by two. Yeah. Uh, so I've watched it many times since then. And every time I've derived new pleasure from it, I've seen a deeper text. Like I love things with deep texts where it's not just what's going on on the surface level. There's a hundred layers there. And every time you review the material and look at the painting on the wall, you can see something new. And I think we, is like the best example in music that I can think of where you can re-examine their work and get more. Like I was just today before the podcast, I was getting amped up. I was pumping iron. I was doing push-ups. Yeah, I, I saw was it. Doing, I was doing squats. I saw it. I couldn't and, believe and I, my and, eyes. And I, was, <laughs> I was listening to old, I started off with God, We, and Satan. And I went through like four albums and I was still like laughing and smiling. I, it's like I was listening to it for the first time. And I've listened to this shit endlessly my entire life since I was 12 years old. And today, this very day, I was still experiencing it with like fresh eyes. And I don't, I, I just don't know anything else in my life that I can compare that to. Like what, is there anything in your lives that you, no. that you can compare that to? No, I mean, music does have that tendency though. Like if you do like something like, for example, I really love like my recent, like sort of rediscovery slash love has been for electric light orchestras, El Dorado. So, yeah. like, I just have been listening for it over and over. I tend to obsess over things. So I tend to, like, obsessively listen over and over to the same album sometimes, which I have been doing with this. 
And so, like, I enjoy it equally, even if I listen, like, 40 times in a row, like, which I'm probably do. Long Divided drive. by two. I mean, you're subject <laughs> to exaggeration. By three. With me, know. by Hyperbole three. is your strength. So even if I listen to it 10 times in a row, I would still, like, really enjoy it. So I think music has that immediate appreciation more than many other art forms, maybe. But I also see how Ween, even the songs that I maybe don't appreciate, probably those songs do have a, like a lot more depth because of the text quality. Like that word text, like as uh, archaic and like sort of dry it is. I think it does help though to really appreciate like that this is not just music. It's like mythology. Yes. Text as in religious text, like in the way that you like gain new knowledge every time you come in contact with that. Yeah. I see that even though I don't necessarily experience those things, but I can see the same way I do, though, with Zappa's music. Let's talk about that text a little bit. It's something that we touched on briefly earlier and something that Jay included in his email is maybe a reputation that the band has for maybe it's more controversial stuff. Like, you know, there's a lot of songs in these albums that might be considered misogynistic. Or homophobic. Um, some homophobics. I, Jay I specifically wanted to address these ideas, right? Jay suggested listening to... Three of the songs that kind of catch heat for being homophobic, uh, Mr. Richard Smoker, the HIV song, right? And um, Homo Rainbow, yes, which is from an episode of South Park. Is that right? Yeah, that song, Homo Rainbow, isn't on an album, but they they made it for an episode of South Park called Chef Aid, I believe it was called, where Mm. it was like a farm aid concert they put on for the character of Chef. Okay, so these songs, I wouldn't say they're like aggressively homophobic you know it, no, nothing about them makes me think you know these guys hate gay people kind of to me they just play as like just not really thinking about like how the words might affect yes uh, you know people who who are gay or who are women you know in terms of like all the songs referring to women as bitches and and that kind of thing they have a song called fuck you bitch mm. um, <laughs> um yes okay so I think that was put very eloquently, Stephen. Thank you so um, much. I agree. I think a lot of a lot of Ween's songs are sophomoric, and especially in the early work, there's a lot of chauvinism or misogynism going on. There's a lot of insensitivity. There's a lot of offensive shit going on, especially under today's lens. That, to me, is without a doubt true, right? I think the band in their current state of maturity is a little embarrassed or sort of like regretful about the chauvinist stuff that is in the early okay. work. But, but what that makes was a, you say that because a certain like live concerts that you've seen, they won't perform those songs. Yeah, that was like, a question I was going to ask you is, do they still perform these songs? Some of them they do. Some of them they don't. There's certainly a lot of songs they don't perform anymore. I don't know why. What, what makes you <laughs> say that up. they are embarrassed? Just all. from, from interviews that I've read, they're oftentimes point blank ask these questions. Like these are, bad and you know the sort of like you should be canceled approach to culture and uh, art has been applied to them and i think they're apologetic especially for the early work where they were just kind of young kids and i don't think there's any song that ween did that they were intentionally trying to cause people harm or like there's nothing racist like screw you n-word or anything like that of any sort you know whereas like you can find that in a lot of other punk rock and so hardcore let's take music a song. let's take fuck you bitch right what do you yeah. think is going on there well it's like a rage song about a girl that broke up with uh, gina that song is about like a man scorn 
burned, you know, like his girlfriend left him probably because he was a piece of shit and he's saying, fuck you. And so you can't like justify those words, but it's coming from a place of emotion from like a, you know, 20 year old, 18 year old Gene Ween who's mad. And it's like, I'm going to channel my rage into this song lyric. And then those are the songs that tend to be like more of the hardcore punk rock songs, like kind of the songs that I don't really gravitate toward in general. Like I'm just not as much into punk rock as, as, as I am. And um, I do love Ramones. good example, the Ramones, there's a lot more misogyny, homophobic shit going on, racism shit going on in the Ramones than there are in Ween. And I'll but go most to, of I'll them go to the dead and Gina and Wiener can defend themselves. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. But I'm not going to defend that stuff. Like, again, it's like a snapshot of who these guys were when they were younger. Again, there's this element of humor that's always within Ween, right? So when they have that song like, fuck you, bitch, those lyrics aren't being said with real hate behind them. There's an element of like silliness and sort of insincerity in this, in the sense of like, I don't really like want to kill you. I'm just mad right now. As mm. opposed to there's other music that we could point toward like Black Flag stuff or early punk rock Sex Pistols where there's like a little more sincerely angry and hateful misogyny and anger going on. I, like, I think Ween is always like, there's always this tinge of like, of like, I'm not really serious. I'm just saying this because I'm mad right now. I know now, that you, the way you say it though, like it does sound subjective. Like I know you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But it does sound subjective because you can say that about anybody. Yeah, it's hard to, as an outsider listening to these albums for the first time, it's hard to read that intent in the, yeah, the I, work itself. I mean, I don't, personally as a woman i don't get offended by a song like that because they are sort of filling the shoes of that character who is singing that song like mm -hmm. something we talked about before and sort of it is like a moment in time of that character's life and it's also like theatrical they, it's the very way. theatrical and there's also like a moment of like repetition and i think repetition a lot of times creates comedy like just technically like if you just repeat something in a dumb way then at some point you're like, well, they're not doing it for real. Like, like that sounds comedic, mm. which they're dumbing down that character. I think the technicality of repeating lyrics in a dumb way does separate them from associating with that character. Like, otherwise, it's very hard to prove sort of that they don't, you know... Mean it. Don't mean it. Yeah, absolutely. And the only reason I brought, I brought that up in the emails is because recently I was at a poker game that I go to regularly... The subject of Ween came up and I was very arrogantly like, like oh, the best band of all time. Like I'm right. You're wrong. And this one guy, Dave, a screenwriter who was there, you know, kind of came at me like, what about Mr. Richard Smoker? Like, do you listen to that? Like, how do you justify that? And my response to him was, I said, do you like David Bowie? And he's like, I love David Bowie. He's my favorite artist of all time. I'm like, well, you're Jewish, right, Dave? Yes, I am. Everybody you, think of Jewish. Dave screenwriter. Yeah, we're getting, we're, we're getting, getting closer to narrowing him. Well, uh, he's a great guy. Especially because he, he doesn't understand Ween. No, no, no. Yeah, he, yeah. Well, he does now after I explained it. <laughs> but I said, so you're mad about Ween writing a song called Mr. Richard Smoker, which is like obviously Mr. Dick Smoker, Cock Smoker, or whatever. You know, I'm like, let's look at the lyrics for one of David Bowie's greatest songs, All You Pretty Things, where he celebrates Heinrich Himmler and Ooh. the Nazis. Because I want to bring the lyrics up right now to, to go through it exactly so I don't misquote it. <laughs> 
But David Bowie had a phase where he was obsessed with Nazism. He would dress up in a fucking SS outfit and walk around they New York City. They did have great fashion, which is very disturbing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who and, was designing those uniforms? Ooh. And a lot of his greatest work, David Bowie's, if you analyze the lyrics, it has a lot to do with black magic and the occult, which he was also like fascinated with. But like all you pretty things is basically about the ubermensch coming to power and like Himmler's dream. I mean, he's talking about Nazi shit. So I'm like, Dave, you love David Bowie. You just admitted to me and you have a personal stake in this right now. And you do love David Bowie as well, right? And I love David Bowie as well. We all love David Bowie. He's a fucking genius. Ween loves David, but Ween is a, like more influenced by Bowie than anyone else. And I didn't say this to like take down Bowie or to be like, Bowie's canceled because he said Nazi shit and he dressed up like a Nazi for a couple of years. It's just like people, artists... We've all done it. Yeah, we've all done it. Now, artists occasionally go down weird paths. They burst forth some art. And, and then 30 years later, when you reanalyze it, you might see something in there that is offensive or that you feel is distasteful. But does that then like cancel that person and, and be like they're no longer relevant in society or or in culture it's like david bowie he was probably like yeah i, uh, I don't know i was all on coke i was uh, fucked up back then i was into black magic and fucking devilry and and i thought that hitler was cool like for a couple of years in the 70s this is my point with ween is that is that some of their misogynistic weird funky stuff from their early days i can't sit here and justify it and defend it but at the same time i don't think they are defending it either mm. um, well and, and you, you know it, there's nothing to defend about it you know i think it is worth questioning those elements of an artist's prior work you know i i yeah. hope that if david bowie were still alive that people would be asking him about that and also like you know, David Bowie had like inappropriate relationships with women who were too young, you know, like these are things that people should be, you know, asked about and, and you know, not like answer for in front of a jury, but, you know, really have to think about why they did the things they did, because I mean, that's how, you know, like society moves forward. Yeah, that's how we grow. Not I mean, to say self-reflexivity is crucial to humankind's evolution, but it doesn't necessarily discredit the everything the, else, the work of art on its own. We can't deny the fact that we enjoyed the David Bowie song. And then upon further reflection, we analyze it and we're like, there's some really detestable shit going on in this, the lyrics of this song. And it makes me experience it in a different way. But I can't lie to myself and say that I didn't love the song or that the song itself in a nebulous way is not good. My uncle uh, <laughs> and his wife still think that Hotel California is a nice, romantic, beautiful song that they fell in love over. Hmm. Yeah, Don Henley has done nothing wrong. <laughs> Ever. But, you know, it's also worth asking ourselves why we liked those things, you know, like why we were able to look the other way in the moment. But, you know, that's that's we've, we've it's a big discussion and it ongoing. kind of derails it. But I wanted to just bring it up and be like, let's talk about it. I'm glad you did, because I still stand by the fact that they're the greatest band of all time. And we're not going to change this one, Stephen. Are they, we good? No, no, no. I, I, we I'm, never I'm tried to. Well, so I'm going to ask Sasha a question. Awesome. One of their songs has the name Sasha in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's her name. My girl Sasha looking good on the street. <laughs> My girl Sasha looking good on the street. Which is what I do. <laughs> looking good on street. So, Sasha, <laughs> let's take a break from looking good on the streets to give our reactions to we that was a very smooth transition 
Well, to establish the scale, I think I would have to put probably um, another musician that I definitely appreciate and always have up on top, like at nine or ten. Yeah. And I'm trying to think if I could take one of the influences mm, of theirs, you know, like, never well, you know to what? It. Let's go with the first one on the list, the Beatles. Oh, the Beatles. The Beatles is a 10, <laughs> dude. You know, if the Beatles is a 10, where have do you I heard, put... You've heard, so you've heard of them. I have heard of okay. the Beatles. Um, uh, no, we don't have to do, use the Beatles as a reference. That might be unfair. That might be unfair, right? Anything compared to Beatles. What about Pink Floyd? Of. We're seeing from the list. So if the Beatles, or especially Pink Floyd for me, are a 10 on the scale... Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to put Ween at seven. Okay. You know, and I'm being generous. I mean, there's probably 11 years of brainwashing already playing <laughs> a good trick yeah, on me. Yeah, you are a victim of brainwashing. In I many kept ways. kept you in this cage and played the music over so and over again. So I, I would give it seven because I think I like respect them more than I love them. Hmm. I respect them for having such love for music as art form that they really have, you know, I think written song for any existing genre of music. I give them credit for their performance aspect of being those characters when they perform songs. And there's some romantic songs that I really love. And Mollusk is a great album altogether. There's some experimental songs that I enjoy, like um, the Mexican ballad about Mama. Buenos Tardes, Amigos. Buenos Tardes, Amigos. Mama loved him the best. But there's just still like a good number of songs that I would skip if I listen to them. You know, my brain is not there. Like, you know, I don't want to like analyze those deep texts. Mm-hmm. I just want to enjoy the songs that I enjoy. And, and that's about it. What about you, Steven? So I, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it was not at all what I was prepared to listen to. You know, God, Ween, Satan kind of starts off with these like huge guitar rips and like screaming. Like the first track is screaming. And I was like, oh, OK, this is cool. This is not what I was expecting at all. That whole first album is very eclectic. You know, it's jumping around all over the place. There's one song in there that is like an R.E.M. song, you know. Um, I liked it a lot. I really enjoyed it. I would say the more I listened to it, like as I listened to further albums, I got a little less enamored with it. But probably because that's not maybe how you're supposed to listen to them, you know, like four albums in a row, all for the first time, you know, maybe not. Uh, Like I said, you you know, for me, I really start to enjoy music when I'm listening to the same songs repeating, you know. So I think there's potential for me to really come to like this band if I were to continue listening to them. I think I would like to go to like 30 minutes of a concert. Um, That's a lot for you. (laughs) Yeah. I do think that, you know, I'm not totally surprised that they were on an episode of South Park because I kind of see a connection between them and Trey Parker and Matt Stone and how like they kind of present themselves as like kind of too cool and maybe like like the the stupidest thing you could do is care about something you know like that's kind of the vibe of South Park to me is that like caring is not cool it's look how cool it is to think caring is stupid and for some of this that is the vibe i was getting from ween which i i don't like i don't like south park for that reason and i wasn't enjoying that part of the experience i'm gonna say i give this a rating i'm gonna give it now jay 
I'm gonna give it a six, but there's I'm a gonna, potential. I'm gonna kick your ass. <laughs> there's, there's a potential for it to go higher in the future. That's good. That's a, that's the, all we want. It's the brainwashing, uh, you know, one point that got me to a seven. Six is better than five. Hey, you know, yeah. and, and we can bring you up to ten. Just like eventually, Sasha will be at a ten too. Yeah. Well, it took Sasha eleven years to get yeah. to a seven. So yeah, get back to me. She started at zero and she went to a seven. That's moving mountains. It's a pretty good rate. Uh, so, Jay, I mean, I, I feel like it's probably a done deal, but what would your rating be of Ween on a 10-point scale? I mean, a, scale? A, a, a 11. Like, <laughs> I, I, I mean, come on. <clears throat> a couple things that, that, that I want to talk about. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I want to mention a couple things. You're absolutely right. South Park, Trey Parker, Matt Stone, and the Ween brothers have worked several times together. Mm. They've done tracks for Orgasmo and some of their films. Trey Parker and Matt Stone's band DVDA has opened up for Ween. They're big Ween heads. Like they're, they're cut from similar cloth. The other thing I would like to say is that their influence is widespread. The one thing I wanted to bring up was SpongeBob SquarePants. Mm. Are you familiar with uh, SpongeBob SquarePants? Am, yeah. So, SpongeBob SquarePants. The SquarePants. Mister, I call the him Mister Pants. The creator of SpongeBob SquarePants, uh, who just passed away. I, oh. I don't know his name. Today? His name was uh, this. Yeah, today. Today, when you're listening, he, he just passed, he away passed away a couple hours ago. He has said publicly that SpongeBob SquarePants would not exist. Had it not been for Ween. Hmm. This is a weird show. The this album show. The Mollusk oh. um, inspired this guy to make the original animatics and to create the world of SpongeBob. Uh, Ween has done several songs for hmm. SpongeBob SquarePants. Ocean Man, in, in particular, which, which is song. one of the greatest songs of all time, is the central inspiration for SpongeBob SquarePants. Ocean Man. I said, like, if there was no Ween and no Mollusk, there would not be Spongebob. Well, and so my life would not change because I never watched Spongebob. I don't watch it. I don't watch it either, but but it's a culturally significant thing. Definitely. I, I, like, a lot of Ween songs are almost like children's music for adults. in its most raw state. It's a like, reminder so it's like, of how to be children, right? For adults. Exactly. Like, whenever I see or listen to Ween albums or see them live, I feel like a kid again. And it, it, it allows me to recapture my youth and it makes me smile. And like when I go to see other concerts that I enjoy a lot, I'm, I don't have this grin on my face mm. like I do when I see them because they're up there smiling. The bond of the brothers, like they're not real brothers, but they're like soul brothers. And, and that's why they took on this these monikers of Dean and Gene Ween. They're connected by their DNA. You got it from the remote. Possibly, but to me, Ween is all about love. And when you hear the music that love produces and you see the music that love produces on stage, it inspires you and it makes you happy and it puts you at peace. And uh, it's the best fucking music of all time. And I don't think we could leave it at a better place than that. Jay, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Your Snapchat? Anything like that? I don't believe in 
engaging in social media hey, whatsoever. That uh, sounds pretty Ween-esque to me. Follow Ween. <laughs> yeah. Go to <laughs> That's your plug. Go, go to Ween's Ween. Facebook page. This is the purest I, expression of the podcast is instead of plugging something for yourself, plugging the topic. And uh, <laughs> what about us? Uh, uh, you, you should come to the Moving Arts Theater on Hyperion Avenue every in Los second and fourth Thursday of every month. Or at 9 p.m. you'll see the direct-to-video awards. Uh, and that's it. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.